Hey friends and foes, welcome to Tea Cakes and Tarot Conversations with Queer Futurists. I am your host, Will Wilhelm. How are you today? Welcome to our mystical, magical space between. Here is where we take time to meet some queer cuties, some artistic crushes and talents, to hear their insights on how we can all be living brighter, bigger, bolder futures, and presents for that matter. Just to give you all a little reminder, this project originally existed as a live stream, and we are restoring and bringing those interviews back to you here in the podcast realm. I'm so grateful to be revisiting every single one of these truly enchanting encounters. So today, my guest on Tea Cakes and Tarot, occupying the space between with me, is a bilingual actor and writer, a dear friend of mine, who I've had the pleasure to act opposite of, to co-host with, and to sit and giggle for hours and hours. My friend, my crush, my guest today is Seattle-based actor, Meme Garcia. Our conversation was originally recorded on November 13th, 2020. Hi! Hey! <laughs> How are you? So good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to do this with you. <laughs> you look so incredible. Thank, thank you. you. I have a mustache. Yes, I was going to say, thank you for serving this genderfuck look. It's really <laughs> me. Um... You do so many incredible things, and I, I really honestly just want to, like, jump right into it. Okay. Um, I was so glad um, that my second year at OSF to have you there, because, um, you know, I don't have to tell you, like, as a trans artist or as a non-binary artist, um, you're often alone, um, and you often are, like, representing a whole lot of people by yourself um and that's like an impossible task for a very broad diverse community it, it, it's not a it's doesn't make any sense um but what you and I get to do um that I feel like I wish everyone would do we grew up going to theater school and people trying to be like well this is your type this is sort of the type of human that you play and I'm like <laughs> When you are someone with the with the skills and life experience and the access, like you have, Meme, you're like, I, I can be accessing any gender. I can be accessing multiple languages. Like, so I'm curious. I'm curious um, what your if you've had a journey with that, um, and how um, both in the work that you do um, that you create, and also the work that you um, when you are an actor on stage, how you literally burn that all down. <laughs> burn down the type you know that's a great question when I was an undergrad I didn't really have a type because Rosa Josie is my one of my men is my mentor um best friend you know <laughs> just kidding she wouldn't say that um and she but she taught me an undergrad and so we I never really played just one thing I played kind of all these different roles mm. um and so then when I graduated I was like oh yeah well I can play anything I can play someone who's like 55 years old or I can play a child and then I immediately went into um playing children <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which was um interesting I think because I, I never saw myself as a child um and then it wasn't kind of until after I got back from grad school that I started to play 
more men because I started working with Upstart Crow Collective. Mm -hmm. And I realized that actually like my type is kind of this like weird, like late teen, early twenties, like boy, (laughs) I think that's like, or like young man. Um, And specifically though, I think in Rosa's worlds that she builds um, because you, I get to operate from a place of gender neutrality that I had never gotten to play from before because we all just kind of play the character and we bring whatever our bodies are. And if I'm, you know, if I'm zero and the char- and the character's like a hundred, I'm, I feel like there's, there's ways that I can weave myself into it. Um, so yeah. Um, and now my type, I, I have no idea really what my type is. I played, I've done a lot of Romeo this year. I guess that's. Yeah, okay. no, but I mean, I think like there is no type, like that's something <laughs> that we spend so much like yeah. unnecessary energy on, especially when we train people. Like what is, how dare you tell me that I, as a creative artist, have one thing that I can represent on stage? And, and it's like, it's very much against like what it means to be non-binary. It's like, that's such an expansive mm-hmm. thing to be that how could we, how could we describe it in one, one person, one experience, even one body? Um, but yeah. yeah, you're type like right now, very much. I love this, <laughs> like, like, you know, young 20s man, because I was so obsessed I was so obsessed with doing that Romeo and Juliet scene with you. Um, and honestly, I was I was talking to my partner, I was talking to Christian about it. And I was like, my man just has this like fucking braggadocio that when I, I, I often see men, especially older, all ages of men perform in Shakespeare. And it's yeah. really annoying to me. I'm just like, oh my God, you do theater. Like, stop, like, please stop punching your masculinity through this thing it's like we're, we're playing make-believe but when you do it it's so <laughs> endearing because I see that it's something like it's I don't know if it's more genuine or if it's something that I know you can put on and take off and you don't carry that around with you when you walk off stage I think um, oh sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but no, no, I think please, that one please. thing is that people I think people kind of get intimidated by me um which it's funny because like deep down, I'm actually like incredibly shy. My best friend is watching this. So like, they'll know, um, but uh, Franco, shout out to Franco. Um, but um, I'm incredibly shy, <laughs> especially like when it comes to like intimacy or dating or like, I don't, I just have never really thought of myself as like someone who dates people. So I feel like when I get to play men like Romeo or even like young Clifford and bring down the house, part of me is like, I get to adapt and, use this part of my identity that I never inhabit in real life because Mm -hmm. I'm so terrified of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, to me, I'm like, Oh, well, it's just a character. Even though like the more I do it, the more I realize I'm like, Oh no, you actually have this side of your personality in real life. You're just so terrified to access it that like you never give yourself that space or opportunity. Um, So yeah. And that's part of like what the magic of what theater is to me, like so much it's, it's such a cliche, but so much that I've learned about myself, I've learned through a character that I've played and how amazing that you and I look at the world on stage and like, well, really I could be anything. I could be anyone or anything. And that means that I get to have the whole like platter of experiences. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like people don't necessarily understand that freedom. Like, I think that we're starting to see a certain type of diversity on stage, which is incredible to me. And I think that um, one thing that's always frustrating to me is that there seems like to be still like a gender wall or barrier that we kind of have yet to kind of break through 
mm-hmm. because I feel like when I go to see a Shakespeare play, I'm like, oh my gosh, listen, look at this awesome, like diverse cast. And it makes sense why there are BIPOC bodies on stage. It mm-hmm. makes sense how they're dealing and talking about class. But then I look at it and I'm like, okay, cool. Like where are the queer people? Where are the trans people? Why are we not on stage when like we are literally everywhere and we've existed for centuries? <laughs> it's not yeah. just like a new fad. Well, I, and that's something that I want to ask you more about because you have done so much classical work. You are writing this, like your own personal sort of translating yourself through um, Hamlet in House of Sueños and you did bring down the house. Like we call these universal stories, right? We're like, oh, well, we still do Shakespeare because the themes are universal and everyone relates to them. Well, that includes us too, even though, you know, we our experiences or like, you know, a trans or queer experience might not explicitly be written. Um, People don't realize that like um, universality, like does looks, looks like everything that you're just describing. And so I'd love to hear you talk about your experience of like how you still translate yourself and learn about yourself through Shakespeare's characters and how they are universal to you. Mm. You know, I think about, this might be oddly cliche, but um, I think about magic a lot. I'm obsessed with magic in all of its, and fantasy. Um, And I think that there's something beautiful about like the idea of magic is like, it explains the unexplainable, right? Mm -hmm. Like it allows us to be like, oh, you know what? I don't understand what's going on over here in this corner of the world. So it's magic. Um, And I think that like, when I think about trans or non-binary people, I truly do think about us as magic because we inhabit the in-between places, right? Like if there's a wall, like we're the um, cement that holds the brick together kind of. So we're able to like squeeze ourselves and and um, uh, into places and fill them out. If that makes any sense? Yes. And so when I think about Shakespeare, I always, you know, I've always seen Shakespeare as being uh, like something that I have ownership over. It's been my whole, my whole life. Um, and I've grown up doing Shakespeare. My dad, my Salvadoran dad, Fabi Luis, had a copy of Hamlet that he gave me when I was quite young. And so I actually never, the first time I read Shakespeare was in Spanish, not in English. Um, and there's a certain sense of, to me, I've always seen it as universal because there's very little character descriptions. Um, and like, it's, it was the first time I ever saw a Latino actor on stage was Rene Millan, who came to do um, the uh, school visit tour with OSF at my undergrad and he performed Hamlet. And I just remember being like, oh yeah, of course I had no qualms about it. Mm -hmm. And so when I see like trans or queer or BIPOC people on stage, part of me is like, yes, our lives are just as epic as like, you know, this weird Danish prince from the 1200s. I don't actually know. Don't, don't read me on that. Um, And we have a certain type of scale and epicness and um, power that I feel like Shakespeare writes into his, into his characters that we naturally inhabit. Oh, I love everything that you just said. I'm like, did that, I don't know if anyone. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing that I'm so compelled by is like, you know, we ask ourselves the same questions and we have the same worries that all of those characters and that Danish prince has. But the thing is so much of the cis, especially the cis het world still sees us as that like mystical, magical thing. Mm-hmm. And they like, and they have a hard time holding like, you are both magical and human. Do you know what I mean? Like just as human or human in the same ways in many ways that the rest of the world is. Um, so 
it's like, yes, we are magical and, but, but not exceptional in that, in that we, we, you know, bleed the same blood and fear the same fears. And, you know, I kind of love I'm so sorry. I kind of think of us as magical in the sense that we don't necessarily know like how we breathe every day, but we breathe, you know, or like we don't necessarily know how the like there are certain parts of like living Mm -hmm. which have not necessarily been explained. Like the idea of like the the, the, the heart pumps blood and yet we don't actually know like why the heart started pumping blood in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, so those that like magic that is like incredibly tangible um and incredibly like like physical and completely normal because it's what creates who we are and yet there's an aspect of like holiness and sacredness to it i think i have only known you for a couple of years and they've been an incredible couple of years and but we've talked about like you know our past together and i you know so i I know a little bit about your past and I, i know about my past and um I think that as the years go on, we only vibrate higher and with more magic. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, I, I think I've asked you this before because I just, I love, I love for trans and non-binary people to share it with other people. Like, what do you, what's either a source or a manifestation of your magic that you've learned to harness as you've sunk into this beautiful person that you are? That, you know, that you wish everyone could have. Like, wouldn't the world be easier if everyone could have this power that I know I have, that I know you have, um, and I wish everyone could have it. You know, I think, I think I see right now this tendency of, when we talk about the word activism, mm-hmm. I think I see this like, uh, this wave of um, people who have just kind of been introduced to the term activism, which I think is interesting, that it's not a part of your everyday practice, you're just all of a sudden an activist, but that there's a certain sense of perfectionism that comes with it. Um, And in the process of perfectionism is what actually causes more harm, right? It's the idea of like my intents are good, but the harm that I cause is is quite intense. And I feel like one thing about being trans and non-binary is that it leaves so much room for growth because every day I wake up and I'm like, I have no idea who I am today. You know, like, I don't know what my gender is. I don't know where I am in the world. And so I kind of have to like make it up as I go. And so every day I'm constantly learning and unlearning how I have kind of indoctrinated both misogyny, the patriarchy and white supremacy in my life. And so I'm able to kind of hopefully, I mean, walk out into the world being like, I know absolutely nothing. And like, let's see what today teaches me. Um, And some days are less than perfect on that, obviously. But I do think that that's something that, once I accepted my transness and I accepted like the intersectionality of my transness, I was able to kind of, I don't know, grant myself more grace. Um, yeah. I love that. And <laughs> I think right now when we're all trying our hardest to, to be better and to be activists and to change the world and to do our part, like sometimes we really fuck up in pursuit of perfection. Better, like, is often, you know, like, better is often better than what we have right now. And, um, and the, I, I know that what, everything that you just said is, is so beautiful and nuanced. And um, that sort of ability to be a work in progress and to know that if you treat yourself as a work in progress every day, ooh, look at the big chunks and look how far you've come. 
and you do that by doing that every single day. Well, yeah, I mean, because even like even like a month ago or two months ago, I was like pretty masked. And I remember I'd woke up and I just started wearing all this masculine clothing. And then I was like, whoa, okay, how am I perpetuating misogyny and the patriarchy and white supremacy by inhabiting this like very mask persona and I'm playing all these men and like I was like how do I take up more space actually like that and that isn't representative of who I am because yes like I I like to inhabit certain masculine characters but I also love like everything else that's in between and I'm neither mask nor femme and I and that's why I was like, oh shit, that's what being non-binary means. That's what being trans means, right? That I exist in the in-between. Yeah. I love it. Uh, can I give you a reading, my dear? Oh my gosh, of course. Yes, let's do it. Um, thank you for sharing everything that you just shared. Um, I am going to check these cards. Um and while I do that, would you um yeah, any question or thought or feeling or mood, any tone you want to set? I've been thinking a lot about the word power mm. um, and all of its connotations and how I can, like, have how I can reclaim my power and, like, walk into spaces feeling powerful. Mm. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. That's amazing. Thank you for that. That's perfect. Okay. So I'm going to keep just cutting this deck on screen and you let me know when it feels like the time and the top card will be yours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the card is um, the world. Oh. <laughs> the last card in the major arcana. The world is about completion. It's about the end of your journey. It's about the closing of a circle, but it's like accepting your connection to the big picture. Um, I love, you know, that she's uh, this like beautiful nude figure, which to me like seems like freedom and she's fulfilled and she's self-actualized. Mm -hmm. um, that's really fun. Um, I'm gonna talk more about that in conjunction. Um, with one of the sonnets. Um, and I'm going to do the same thing. So you just let me know. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> As I almost dropped the deck everywhere. Okay. Sonnet 12, you ready? Okay. When I do count the clock that tells the time, and see the brave day sunk in hideous night, when I behold the violet past prime and sable curls all silvered o'er with white, when lofty trees I see barren of leaves, which erst from heat did canopy the herd, and summer's green all girded up in sheaves, borne on the byre with white and bristly beard, then of thy beauty do I question make, that thou among the wastes of time must go, since sweets and beauties do themselves forsake, and die as fast as they see others grow. And nothing against time's sight can make defense, save breed to brave him when he takes thee hence. Ooh. Ooh. So this is really interesting. <laughs> like, um, so the first like, uh, like handful of sonnets are like a lot of Shakespeare, whoever, he, he was commissioned to convince someone to like, have a child, to procreate, to marry and get wed, like settle down. Um, but this is 
this sonnet is like about like creation as a test of time, um, like creation as something that beats time, um, you know, because our beauty is like fleeting, fleeting and ephemeral um, and death will always come and death is persistent, but to leave something where you were um, is what sort of beats that and leaves its own power. Um, I wanna, I wanna uh, read this again for you um, and then just take a look at that card. Hmm. When I do count the clock that tells the time and see the brave day sunk in hideous night, when I behold the violet past prime and sable curls all silvered o'er with white, when lofty trees I see barren of leaves, which erst from heat did canopy the herd, and summer's green all girded up in sheaves, born on the byre with white and bristly beard, then of thy beauty do I question make, that thou among the wastes of time must go, since sweets and beauties do themselves forsake and die as fast as they see others grow. And nothing against time's sight can make defense, save breed to brave him when he takes thee hence. Mm. Anything you notice about the sonnet or the card that you want to pull out? I guess I just know, like I'm thinking about time. I feel like time right now is so, mm -hmm. um, I've never had this much time in my life in general. So it feels like a incredible gift and also an incredible burden mm -hmm. um, to have so much time. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess that's the one thing it made me think of. Yeah, when I think about, um, you know, power and your power and your ability um, to open people's hearts and to open people's minds and to just share the beautiful person that you are. I know you're at like, you're both at the culmination of a, of a really exciting project while you're also like looking at some blank pages. <laughs> uh, but it is a story that you have been telling um, for a while now. It's your story. Like what other story is there? And so I know you're telling it in a new way, in a new format and with new people and in a new medium, but the power of everything that's gonna culminate and everything that's been promised to self-actualize, to actualize you, your story, Meme, I think that that's, that has a flash of beauty, like the subject of the poem, but that also stays. That mm -hmm. also sinks into something. It sinks into the people who receive your art and they carry that when they create and they pass something on. Thank and you so much. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I just, I am so proud um, to know you and to call you my friend. And I can't wait to keep like, <laughs> just making little things happen and making up little things for us to do together because, um, yeah, I just feel like it's it's so easy and so wonderful and so personal to spend time and to create with you. And I know that the other people who have the privilege of doing that feel the same way. Oh my gosh. I clear you clearly just knew that I needed this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Ah. Thank you. I, I hope that was um I hope that was uh illuminating or enlightening about any of the things that you were thinking about. Yes. Um, I always forget when I think about House of Sueños, which is some people know it's a play that I'm currently writing based off my life, but 
I always forget that it's like, I've already lived the story and I'm like, I just gotta like drag it out of me and put it on the page. It's just like, I, I, I totally forget about it. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for um, joining me. And um, with that, I will wish you a very beautiful night. Bye. Much love to everybody. <laughs> My magical friend, Meimei. What a delightful human being that brings such joy into my heart. And I love that they always remind me of magic. The magic in the world, the magic in myself and my soul, the magic in the energy between each of us as individuals. There's just magic all over their writing and all over their acting, but also all over them as a human. I feel like there's always just a little magical sparkle around Meimei, and it encourages me to shine right back at them. I think they're right when they say that trans and non-binary people have an inherent magic because we occupy these inexplicable or interstitial spaces, but we also flow through them. We're also giving ourselves the grace to move and change direction, sometimes intentionally and sometimes <laughs> at a whim, and that is okay. People are not one thing. People are often very contradictory things. I know I am. When we give ourselves the grace to accept that about ourselves, but also love that part of ourselves, love the adaptable part of ourselves, I think there's a lot of magic to be found in that as well. I am at a point, and I feel like many others in my circles are as well, where we're sort of trying to better ourselves for the good of each other. I know we all want to get everything right, and we all want to be perfect, and we all want to be the role model and the example and all of these things. We put pressure on ourselves because we care so much. But like Meme said, that perfectionism can be the antithesis of progress. To wake up every day and challenge yourself, what can I do better today than I did yesterday? That is a kind of growth and a kind of practice that I think we can all aspire to. When you are starting a new practice, you're a beginner. You are inherently not going to be perfect at it. It will take time, effort, and like they say, practice makes perfect. But really, I don't think perfection is something we can ever achieve. You can strive for it, I guess, but don't actually hold your self-worth or your measure of success or accomplishment as reaching it. I guess your measure of success can always be reaching for it <laughs> with the self-acceptance that you'll never grasp onto that. None of us will. And that's okay. That's perfect in its imperfection especially as people who are molting in a way or becoming in a way or however you want to think of transness. I think everyone is molting and becoming themselves, trans, cis, or otherwise. But when you recognize that your identity is not fixed in one particular thing or on one particular narrow path, it gives you the opportunity to explore and to stretch in a multi-dimensional way 
It gives you the grace to start in one direction and then change or pivot. That is the kind of magic that I know and Meme knows as trans non-binary people, but I think there is a lesson in that for everyone. To treat yourself, like we said, constantly as a work in progress. I think there's beauty in that. I think there's self-love in that. But really, I just think there's truth in that. We're all works in progress. We're all becoming. And we are all taking these steps to occupy the spaces we want to see filled, to create the spaces we wish we had for ourselves and we wish were available to the people that we love. Thank you once again to Meme, my delightfully talented friend. If you happen to be listening to this episode very close to its air date, please run, do not walk, to the Seattle Shakespeare website where you can, until June 6th, that's just this weekend, see Meme perform as Romeo in a bilingual adaptation of Romeo y Julieta. I know you'll be in for a treat because I got to see some of it myself. Thank you as well to our Tea Cakes and Tarot Conversations with Queer Futurists team. They are my co-creator, Erin Murray, our sound designer, Orion Schwalm, our graphic designer, Ray Catherine Morgan, and our producer, the Island Shakespeare Festival. Thank you as well to the incredibly generous donors who made this podcast possible. They are Elizabeth Fairchild, Giselle and Jamie Graham, Alina Hodges, Peggy Juve, Lisa Larry and Marley Rich, Adam Sperber and Sherry Elson, Kathleen Sullivan, Grace Ula, Anne Wilhelm, Glenn Wilhelm, Laura Wilworth. Thank you all very, very much. And thank you to you. If you enjoyed your listening experience, please give us a subscribe, give it a rate and a review, Hanny. Okay, I will now bid you adieu with one more reading of Sonnet 12. When I do count the clock that tells the time and see the brave day sunk in hideous night, when I behold the violet past prime and sable curls all silvered o'er with white, when lofty trees I see barren of leaves, which erst from heat did canopy the herd, and summer's green all girded up in sheaves, borne on the byre with white and bristly beard, then of thy beauty do I question make, that thou among the wastes of time must go, since sweets and beauties do themselves forsake and die as fast as they see others grow. And nothing gainst time's scythe can make defense save breed, to brave him when he takes thee hence. Hey bae, I see you working, and I see you growing. Keep going, one step at a time. And until the next time, keep on shining.